Hey everybody, this is Lance Dixon from St. Mary's University in Calgary, and welcome to Finding Faith. They've been called rock stars, certainly the unexpected heroes, who when we look back will have defined in this generation the meaning of service and sacrifice. They are the healthcare workers, who found themselves on the front line of this pandemic and have been working tirelessly to care for those who are most vulnerable. But who are they? What makes them so remarkable? Well, today in this episode of Finding Faith, we talk to Dr. Thomas Bouchard, who is the Director of Medical Care at the Father Lacombe Long-Term Care Centers in Southeast Calgary, one of the hardest-hit regions of COVID-19 in this province. Dr. Bouchard shares with us the virtues, the heart of those he works alongside with, and what we can learn from them in terms of building a compassionate society. We join Dr. Bouchard as he reminds us of the many heroic figures in the church who shaped the healthcare system in our country. And then he turns his attention to the healthcare professionals he works with today. Let's join him. Healing the sick is something that was, uh, was for, in the, in the Christian imagination, was something that was for everyone, not just for the rich who could afford it. And that's where hospitals came up that were charitable works in the church in Canada. All of the first hospitals were uh, church-established hospitals. And the, the long heritage and history of religious sisters and religious organizations who started hospitals, like the Grey Nuns and Father Lacombe in Providence, were started by Father Lacombe and the Sisters of Providence. So really we owe uh, a lot of the foundations of our entire healthcare system in Canada to uh, the religious, uh, the very, very generous religious who didn't take a paycheck and just did things out of the goodness of their heart mm. and were extremely good at uh, being efficient in healthcare resources. Another thing to think about is specifically related to long-term care. So uh, nursing homes or long-term care centers are really the place that COVID has hit the hardest because those people are the most vulnerable, are the most medically complex, and they're living together. So living together uh, will lead to a faster spread of this illness. The, the what's called attack rate or the uh, infectivity of the, the COVID virus is much higher than the flu and other viruses. So that's why it spreads so quickly. And when you're in a congregate living setting like a nursing home, it's just going to spread uh, very easily unless you take appropriate precautions. Mm. And um, I've been very proud of our staff at Father Lacombe and Providence Care Centers who have been courageous in uh, you know, coming to work and caring for our residents, but also very attentive to the, for the need to um, protect themselves and residents from spreading the virus. And so um, I think our very low case rate at our nursing home is a combination of hard work, conscientious staff, as well as prayer. I'm, I mm. call myself uh, a beggar for prayers, and I ask everybody I know to really pray for my nursing homes and to, to um, pray in a big way for uh, protecting the, the most vulnerable in our society, and that certainly is elderly who are living with the more complex medical conditions in, in nursing homes. 
Dr. Burchard, I want us to come back in a moment and, and talk more about these remarkable people who you just described you work with every day on the front lines in the pandemic. Uh, but just before we do that, I thought it might be good to hear just a little bit of your own story and what inspired you to become a physician. You spoke about the history of the church and its role in shaping the healthcare system in our country today, which I think many in our generation don't really appreciate simply because we have such a complex multi-billion dollar healthcare system today uh, managed by our provincial governments. For yourself, were you aware of this history before you entered into the medical profession? Tell us a little bit about where you began. What inspired you to go into the health uh, healthcare field? Well, I think it started with a just a fascination with biology, which was always my favorite subject. And uh, my, I, I, I tell people my Catholic testimony is very boring because I've always loved the church and I never fell away and I've always been connected to my faith in some way or other. So um, in that sense, it's boring. And in, in other ways, that's a good thing. And I'm, I've always been uh, very grateful to my faith. So that integrating my faith with my work has always been very important to me. And um, part of that integration also means looking at who came before me, right? Like uh, mm. I was in Rome for Cardinal Newman's canonization in, in October. And one of the things that... Uh, one of the places that I loved the most was the very ancient church of St. Cosmas and Damien. And while I was there, I prayed for all of my colleagues in the healthcare profession because, um, you know, this is, this is more than a, a job, you know, it really is a vocation. And uh, the vocation of being a healthcare worker um, is, is not, not unlike other professions where you, you really want to put all your heart into it, but in a special way, in a special way, we share in the healing ministry of ministry of Jesus, and that ministry involves all of you, involves your heart, your mind, you know, your your faith, um, because um, uh, decisions in medicine are are most often moral decisions, even if they're simple, simple, straightforward medications. They're they're still always getting at the heart of what is good for the patient, what is good for the person in front of me. Um, so all that to say, you know, I've always wanted to integrate my faith with my work. And I, I love the saints as my kind of examples and intercessors in heaven um, to help me do my work well. You speak of the high moral standards at the heart of the health profession and the saints who inspire you in that work. It's interesting, today happens to be the feast day of St. Joseph, who is remembered as a person of great virtue. And just the other week in a podcast, I was talking with Father Cristino about St. Thomas Aquinas, and I think about his ideas on virtue that transformed uh, the church's understanding of the Christian life uh, at the time. And, and virtues, Aquinas said, are those essential dispositions by which we achieve what is the good. And I remember Aquinas pointing out that the difficult thing about virtues is that they're not a badge we just slap on in the morning when we get out of bed. We change our disposition by practicing virtues over a lifetime. And often they are through struggle, 
and moments of crisis. And I don't think it's by coincidence that in this time of crisis, the public is witnessing the most virtuous leadership from within the ranks of our physicians. It's interesting, just yesterday, the Calgary Herald revealed a poll that showed overwhelming support of our medical leaders. Now, I know the closer one gets to a leader, the more one gets to see his or her imperfections. But virtue, I think you'd agree, is is not about being perfect, because no one is. It's about seeking the good for others, and our lives being oriented to that. And our doctors are demonstrating such a strong virtue in that regard. Um, I'm interested, in light of all that, as someone trained in the field, working side by side with other doctors, what virtues are instilled in the health professionals that enable them to be such effective leaders during these times of crisis and social upheaval? Well, the, the first virtue I would highlight is the cardinal virtue of fortitude. And through med school and residency, um, the, this is one thing that's drilled into every single medical student and resident because it requires a lot of grit to be criticized for your, you know, your intellectual comments on, on say, you know, being asked questions and, and required to, to have answers on a regular basis, right? And so you have to have a lot of grit to be willing to take criticism, to, to stay up late, to be awoken when you're on call and to handle all kinds of different problems in different various areas. So fortitude is something that comes naturally in the, the medical profession because we're constantly being thrust into difficult and maybe um, situations in, into the unknown, really, in, in many ways and even on a daily basis. And in my own clinic as a family doctor, I, I tell my own students who come to work with me that they – uh, in, in family medicine, you never know what's behind that door. You know, it could be mm. something related to a relationship or a family issue. It could be a blood pressure issue. It could be anxiety. It could be, um, you know, somebody who's pregnant. So you never know what's behind that door. And you have to have the courage to face any problem in family medicine because we're generalists. And, um, so fortitude is a big thing, and, and fortitude is something that we we do like to um, kind of, it's almost like a something that's bred into people who like medicine because we, we really want to be challenged and want to be given all, all kinds of different problems to solve. So mm-hmm. fortitude is something that's really important. And so throw, throw a pandemic at a group of, of healthcare workers, and, and they'll really engage in that virtue that they've been practicing throughout their career the the second one uh the second cardinal virtue i think comes up is the virtue of prudence and prudence is something that is um is really dependent on the person who's willing to pursue it right so um what is prudent to do um you know is related to to the the formation of one's conscience right so knowing what to do and being informed in, in terms of what you, you need to do in a given situation from, you know, thinking of the principles of Catholic bioethics is really dependent on how you've formed the habit of prudence, what is right and good, and not just um, say what the patient might want or might demand. You have to really think 
what is for the good of this patient, even if the patient says, I want something that you don't agree with, right? So that takes a virtue of prudence. You mentioned before that virtues don't require um, perfection, but uh, St. Thomas Aquinas does uh, bring up in the Summa, when he talks about virtues, that the perfection of prudence is a virtue called solertia, S-O-L-E-R-T-I-A. It's a beautiful uh, virtue. It is, it's the perfection of prudence where somebody can make a decision uh, kind of on the spot without too much thinking because they're, they have kind of practiced prudence for, for so long and it comes to them very quickly. So you might think of an ICU doctor who has done a lot of uh, you know, critical care cases where he or she can, uh, can immediately grasp the potential consequences of a decision and make a, a decision really quickly. The same happens with an eMERGE doctor. And so um, that perfection of prudence in certain areas, especially in an area of expertise that a doctor might have, can really develop to such, to such a degree that it is a perfection of that virtue where they can immediately grasp the consequences of a certain action. So um, that, that comes with time, with experience, but when you have this, uh, what, what we call in medicine, clinical acumen, that you're able to really grasp something quickly and, and find answers to for patients um, on the spot, uh, just through thinking through a problem, but also through the wisdom you've acquired over the years, that perfection of prudence called solertia, I think, is, is really important in medicine. And, and certainly in these times, where it, there's lots of uncertainty. Um, the, the question is really uh, dynamic in the sense that what is right for, uh, for us right now is hard to say because we've never faced this problem before. You've helped us appreciate the uh, remarkable character of healthcare professionals and the, and the leadership that we have been witnessing, and which, as you point out, we, we ought to be very grateful for uh, here in, in Calgary and Alberta in particular. But these colleagues that you work with are still very much human. They have families, they have loved ones, uh, they have their own anxieties and concerns, and yet doctors and nurses have been told they are essential services. So whether they want to or not, they show up to their work uh, in the midst of this crisis and the very real health concerns. Can you describe what that has been like uh, emotionally and spiritually to carry that duty out over the last several weeks? Yeah, I, I think in particular of uh, my colleagues who are working at the nursing homes day in and day out. You know, I, as uh, the medical director at Father Lacombe and Providence Care Centers, I can do a lot of virtual care just so I don't bring things in from the community. Um, and then occasionally for urgent issues or for a dying patient, I will definitely go in and see them. Whereas the the day-to-day -day nurses and healthcare aides and cleaning staff and dietary staff, these people go in because their job is day-to-day, -day, every single day going into their jobs and being in close contact with patients, some of whom are uh, COVID positive, right? And um, I, I really want to uh, thank and, and uh, acknowledge the courage that it takes these people to come into work. Um, yes, of course, they, they wear the personal protective equipment they need, so there's a level of protection there. But even with that level of protection, it still takes courage to come in and say, 
I'm willing to serve. You know, I'm using Filipinos as an example. There, there's something about the Filipino culture that has this genius of care, this genius of tenderness, that they're willing to do all kinds of jobs that, um, for example, myself, I might be unwilling to do, but I'm still very grateful for those who who stoop down to, to wash people's feet like Jesus did, you know? Mm. Is faith part of the spirit of care out of, you know, out of which flourishes, do you think? Yeah, faith is, is really uh, the gift that allows us to carry on and to practice the virtues and um, to give us the, the drive, the, the uh, focus, you know, to, to, to think that it, I'm not only caring for another human being, which is good in and of itself, but that Christ identified himself with the sick. You know, we think of the sick as um, and the elderly as um, our, our kind of precious resources, because when we care for them, we care for Christ. And so um, I, I, I know for a fact that when faith is involved in somebody's profession, when they see their healthcare profession as a vocation, they will definitely be able to go deeper on a personal level with their their job because they see the face of Christ in the people that they're serving. What do you do in the times you feel powerless as a physician? Your whole life is dedicated to healing people and the moments that you realize you can't. And perhaps there have been moments in this pandemic where you've just realized you just don't have any cure, um, any possibility of helping this person. What, what goes through your mind and spirit, and how do you move on to the next one? Um, I, I think uh, my faith is, of course, re- very important to me in, as far as helping me along. Um, I think another ingredient is teamwork. You know, So if there's a problem where I might provide some comments from my experience or my expertise. Um, if I if I don't think that's the, um, the, 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 the that's the final word, then I would invite um, any commentary from anybody, right? Uh, whether it's nurses or other care staff or management. Uh, working as a team allows us to incorporate as many um, people's intellects and experience as possible. So teamwork is a big thing. And then how, how to cope with some of the uncertainty, I think uh, a big thing is, is leaning on my family, you know, my, my wife, my children, my friends who uh, can really support me in a big way, um, you know, priest friends of mine who are very supportive, um, seeing things like, you know, the consecration uh, that Bishop McGratton did with many other bishops in North America this morning. So different things like that, that... Um, are able to to kind of bring me up for a breath of air so that I can go down underwater and, and kind of get back to it, you know. So I, I think having a healthy faith work life balance is is really important and and knowing who those sources of strength are so that at the end of the day I can recharge and wake up the next morning and get back to it. Most of us will not be called to the health profession, but all of us will at some point in our lives, if we haven't already experienced illness and the care that health professionals provide. In the Catechism of the Catholic Church, and for some of our listeners who may not be familiar with the Catechism, it 
is a, a book of teaching uh, of the church from over the centuries, and it offers some very real insights about the human experience. Um, here's a paragraph that I wanted to hear your own thoughts on, Dr. Bouchard. It comes from the chapter on the sacrament of healing. Illness can lead to anguish, self-absorption, sometimes even despair and revolt against God. It can also make a person more mature, helping him discern in his life what is not essential so that he can turn toward that which is. Very often illness provokes a search for God and a return to him. Is it your experience that two persons can enter the same illness, whether it be stomach cancer or testing positive to this COVID virus and have such a profoundly different experience? And from what you observe, what is the essential difference between the first person who experiences despair or resentment in the illness and the second person who experiences the illness as this uh, liberating experience for the soul. Is it something as simple as the attitude one has walking into the doctor's office? What do you think is at the heart of that? I, I think the a person's attitude is is important, but the the reasons for that attitude are multifactorial. So you could have somebody who um, has a good attitude and is really strong, but gets hit with something unexpected and totally falls apart. Mm. Uh, the people who are the most resilient and willing to take things uh, as they come are people who are well supported by family, by their church community, who are not isolated. So uh, somebody who lives alone and who, who is single and doesn't have a lot of supports, but has a, a good physician and, and so a, a nurse, for example, who's supportive, or maybe a few close friends who keep in touch, um, those people will be able to to kind of keep up a resilience and 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 face the challenges of of illness or COVID or whatever it might be, um, with uh, an ability to see things with new eyes. But if they don't have those resources, say a friend or a, a supportive physician or other people who can help them through it, um, it, it's not surprising to me that they might be despairing or anxious. Right. So. It, it takes one person, it takes, um, you know, people willing to be kind to others, to reach out to them, uh, to be able to say, regardless of what you're facing, I'm here for you, I will accompany you. And uh, we know Pope Francis talks a lot about accompaniment. This, this is uh, very uh, profound and very important for us in the church to be shining lights of accompaniment. So whether it's for, for myself as a physician, uh, for a stay-at-home mom who's homeschooling her kids, um, to think about one, what I would say, one apostolic uh, um, communication per day. You know, So that could be an email to a friend who you know might be a little bit more isolated, a call to a family member who, you know, this, this is a great opportunity for people to kind of ask questions about their faith. So maybe 
calling somebody who you know has struggled in their faith in the past, and this might be an open door. So, so those are, you know, I, I reflect on a lot of the plenary indulgences that we're getting. And you know how in the mm-hmm. papal basilicas, you can walk through holy doors and get an, a plenary indulgence. Well, I wonder if we should also be these holy doors where people can walk through the doors of our heart and be able to receive the strength they need and, and be encouraged and be able to face very difficult circumstances like illness. But it depends on us, right? It depends on our willingness to reach out and to make sure people are taken care of. So um, I think I would, I would challenge people to really think at least once a day, maybe more because we've got more time on our hands possibly, mm. to think about people who we can reach out to and have a conversation or an email just to check in so that we can really make sure that everybody that we know and even maybe strangers, that we can really uh, develop everybody's resilience to, to get through difficult things, right? You spoke of uh, Bishop McGratton's uh, spiritual leadership at this time, especially today. Uh, and you're probably aware, and if you're not, uh, definitely uh, my privilege to uh, to make you aware that the, the diocese under his leadership has launched a hope and gratitude campaign. Uh, to encourage people to share their gratitude with our everyday heroes, to the many people, especially our healthcare workers, who have shown kindness, determination, who have been the doors of Christ, as you just spoke to, throughout the many challenges of this COVID-19 pandemic. Um, He's called us to pray for them, send them an email, postcard, posters on our window, uh, say thank you whenever we see them or speak to them, uh, so for my small part, I want to take this moment to express my appreciation to you, to your team, all your colleagues that you work so closely with through what you have shared, have just demonstrated uh, just remarkable care for our most vulnerable and risking their own health to do that so that others may hope uh, find hope that God has not abandoned them in their illness. So thank you, Dr. Bouchard, for all that you are doing. Yes, it's my pleasure, and uh, thank you for the gratitude. There's certainly uh, Bishop McGratton's example and other other people who have encouraged people to to be more grateful for things that we might otherwise take for granted, you know, and uh, even looking at our, our nursing homes and making sure that we really are caring for our elderly in a very real way and not just in a superficial way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's causing us all to examine our consciences, right? And I, I really hope and pray that this is a wake-up call for people to mm-hmm. um, rediscover faith, to rediscover people that they might have forgotten about, um, to be grateful for things that we have in our province and country, like our, our healthcare system. So we have lots to be grateful for, and I would just encourage all your listeners to to be willing to say I will serve in whatever way possible, whether that's from home and, and greeting people, um, if they're in the healthcare prof- profession, to continue to courageously wake up every morning and keep doing that. Um, for people who are in the education profession to continue to find creative ways of, of teaching people who are at home. So, um, you know, there's there's lots of, of good ways and as Christians, um, we we are it's important for us to be good examples to everybody else mm. of what it means to be grateful and humble and 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 willing to serve mm, indeed bishop mcgratton has asked us to pray for you and i'm going to invite our listeners to join me in in doing that 
um, as you show the heart of Jesus uh, to to the world, we've been asked to uh, pray to the Sacred Heart of Jesus for you. And as a way to introduce this prayer, I want to go back to the moment you shared at the beginning of the podcast when you spoke of that inspiring moment of witnessing the canonization of Cardinal Newman in, in Rome. What, what a once-in-a-lifetime experience that must have been for you. Yeah, it, yeah. it was beautiful and uh, wonderful to be with people from around the world to see this, uh, this intellectual uh, giant, mm. but somebody who had a heart of gold for, for making friends and for reaching out to people and... Um, just the 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 thing that really hits me is that the, this intellectual giant, his first miracle, um, or the miracle that led to his canonization, was a miracle where a woman mm. who was in the middle of a miscarriage, yes, both her and her baby were were saved, and the baby mm. is is uh, now alive. You know, like mm. that to me as a physician shows me that here's this intellectual giant who's responding to the requests of a woman at home with many, many children and saving her and her baby, you know? Mm. So saints have such a, a, a diversity of talents, you know, and, and mm-hmm. Cardinal Newman is a great example of somebody who was very wise and intelligent and virtuous, yet had a, a heart of gold for his mm. friends and for anybody who, who wanted to, to visit with him. Well, here's, here's the prayer that he offered to the Sacred Heart of Jesus that I'm going to invite us to, to share now, if you would join me. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Most sacred, most loving heart of Jesus, you are concealed in the Holy Eucharist, and you bear for us still. Now as then you say, with desire I have desired. I worship you with all my best love and awe, with fervent affection, with my most subdued, most resolved will. For a while you take up your abode within me, O make my heart beat with your heart. Purify it of all that is earthly, all that is proud and sensual, of all perversity, of all disorder. So fill it with you, that neither the events of the day nor the circumstances of the time may have the power to ruffle it, but that in your love and your fear it may have peace. Amen. Amen. Once again, Dr. Bouchard, thank you for being with us today and for all that you do. Thank you, Lance. Much appreciated. And for those of you listening, thank you for joining us. We look forward to you being with us next time. Until then, take care of yourself and each other.